your wedding planning questions answered. That's coming up next on the Wedding Planning Podcast. Why, hello there, and thank you so much as always for joining me this week in a brand new episode of the Wedding Planning Podcast. I am your hostess, Cara, and our goal here together is to maximize the quality and the value of your overall wedding celebration. And I can't think of a better way to really get into those two items than with a wedding Q&A. So today I'm going to cover a plethora of your questions on all topics from pretty much every wedding planning scenario you could imagine. I looked at a calendar this past week, saw that we only have 10 weeks left in 2023, and I kind of freaked out a little bit. I have no idea how that happened. But as we wrap up the year, I do have lots of great shows and lots of really great topics to share with you, including spotlighting your questions. So with that, let's get right into it. And we're going to start with couple variations on the same theme. What's an ideal number of wedding party members? What are some pros and cons of having a larger versus a smaller wedding party group? And would it be weird or a slap in the face to the people we love if we went ahead and had no wedding party at all? This is a great question and something that can consume lots of thought in the months as you're kind of formulating in the early stages of your engagement. And to take the question and kind of break it down into three parts, let's just talk through what it would look like to A, have no wedding party at all, B, have a very, very small wedding party, or C, open it up and have a larger group of people joining you in this celebration. So starting with no wedding party, a listener asked, would it be a slap in the face to the people we love? I don't see it that way at all. I'm not saying that your loved ones wouldn't receive it that way. I think there is an opportunity for some hurt feelings potentially. And this is like a nuance that really comes down to your specific relationships with the people in your lives. And you know those better, much better than I do. But just generally speaking, I think the idea of having no wedding party is amazing. There is a show from back in 2022, and I should rebroadcast it, or you can go find it in your feed. It is still available as I'm recording this live. And the bride featured in that show had no wedding party. And as you listen to that episode, you can hear her highlight all of the benefits of just having it be her and her fiance on the wedding day. There was a very streamlined setup. There's nothing going on auxiliary that you need to worry about besides you. And for some people, that might be an amazing thing. Is that option going to work for everyone? No, of course not. And I totally get that. So let's move in to option B, which would be keeping your wedding party really small. And this can be determined by you and again, your relationships and your personal setup. But small could mean different things to different people. Small could mean that you and your fiance each choose one best person. So one maid of honor, one best man, whatever variation of those terms you want to use, 
you both have one person who's absolutely closest to you in your life and they are standing by your side and supporting you on the wedding day and then of course in all the months leading up. This is a really great option because it does give you that level of support, which I think you can get in other ways than naming a maid of honor, for example, I think most of us. But if you have one person in your lives, or maybe it's two people, maybe it's three people. Again, small means different things to different people. So however that would look, but try it on for size. Think about how that would change things if you kept it very small. And then the third option is just opening it up and choose all your closest friends on both of your sides. And you have a wedding party that's more like four to six to 10 people on each side. This is a really popular choice. And this is how a lot of couples do it. The pros of a larger wedding party are that you get to include more of your close family and friends. You get to bestow that honor upon more people. The downside of this, and again, this is all very specific to your relationships. I very, very seldomly see in my own personal experience and also just in talking with you and working with couples, very seldomly do you have an entire engagement season pass by where you're working with six to 10 bridesmaids and groomsmen. And there's not some source of friction or conflict or annoyance or something that comes up throughout that time. And I'm not saying that to dissuade you. I'm simply saying it because if you are on the fence about whether or not to ask two people to join you or ask 10 people to join you, asking 10 people does open up the gates for issues to come up throughout your engagement. Again, it's not like a no-go, absolute game changer why you should not do it. It's just something to consider. And then of course, hand in hand with that, if you do want to open it up to a bigger group of people, just be very, very mindful in considering everyone's individual circumstances and things that are going on in their lives as you are deciding who you want to stand up with you, who you want to be your closest support system over the next few months. So run down the line and think about people who don't live close to you and might have to travel back and forth. Is that going to be a cause of friction? Maybe someone has just had a new baby. That takes a huge amount of time off the table. So maybe they're not going to be as available in the coming months. Maybe someone is finishing up their last year in postgraduate school, and they're not going to have a lot of extra time or emotional energy to dedicate to you. So those are just things to consider, and I hope that was all helpful. Moving on to our next question, what are your thoughts on doing a first look versus waiting for the more traditional moment when I walk down the aisle? My thoughts are that I love the idea of doing a first look for so many reasons, and I'll list those for you here. The first reason is that I think you're really able to be present and very in the moment when you make this a private moment between you and your soon-to-be husband or wife. And when this happens right before the ceremony, when it's just the two of you, 
your photographer is present, your videographer is present, maybe your wedding party is even present to watch this movie excuse me, to watch this moment unfold. And it's just a very quiet few minutes between you and your partner with no pressure. There aren't 150 people staring at you. It's a nice way to have that and really savor that time together. It's also from a logistics point of view, it's a really, really great time to get your photos done. And depending on your wedding day timeline, depending on the timing of your ceremony and your reception, for a lot of couples, that reason alone is enough to go ahead and seal the deal that we do want to do a first look. And what that looks like, the difference is that you and your husband, wife, you get to have those portraits done prior to your cocktail hour and prior to your reception. Now, again, this is dependent on the timing of your ceremony and your reception. So play it out and think about your scenario and think about what it would look like if you, for example, waited until the more traditional first look is when one of you is walking down the aisle and the other sees you for the very first time. That is totally fine to do it that way. But then you need to think about timing wise, when are you going to take all of the pictures of the two of you and how is that going to fit into the overall day. So again, twofold answer there. I love doing a first look for very emotional reasons. I think it's a very special moment between you and your partner. I also love doing a first look from a logistics standpoint. It makes a lot of things much more seamless in many, many, many scenarios. Next question, inviting kids to our wedding. And then again, there were a couple of variations on the same theme of a question. One is, does it have to be all or nothing? Or can we invite select families to allow them to bring their children? And what are your ideas on providing babysitting? What would be the best way to approach that for our out of town guests? So kids at weddings is such an emotional topic. People have very, very opinionated stances on this. And there is no right or wrong answer. Obviously, inviting children for you in your scenario may be an absolute no. Maybe you couldn't imagine the thought of not having all of your little nieces and nephews running around. Very different for everyone. I personally, John and I did not invite children to our wedding. We had a reception in a space with a humongous swimming pool that had absolutely no fencing or gating surrounding it. And the thought of a bunch of little kids running around that space and falling into the pool was just never an option for us. Um, On the flip side of that, my sister also had a reception with a swimming pool in the area. She had about 25 kids at the wedding. And they had a blast and it was amazing. So there's no right or wrong answer for it. However, when we get to does it have to be all or nothing? Can we choose some families and allow them to bring their children? Yes, of course you can. But I will say in my experience, and again, I've seen this scenario play out many, many times, There are likely going to be some resentful feelings if that's the way you want to do it. 
And that's fine if that is the way you want to do it and you want to address it individually, you know, with each family separately and explain your position and explain where you're coming from. That's totally fine. Very generally speaking, if you're going to keep it like under the radar and tell 10 families that they can bring their kids and then tell 10 other families that it's no kids are allowed at the wedding, the families who you said no kids are allowed are going to see kids at the wedding and Again, there's a tendency to question that and wonder, like, take it personally, why weren't my kids invited? So just things to consider. Does it have to be all or nothing? No, it definitely doesn't. But I would really, really think um, intentionally about your relationships and about the situations and think about how that would all play out. And then as far as babysitting options, this is a great, great, great option. And it's such a generous thing to offer to your guests. Even if you do decide to allow children at the wedding, I can guarantee you as a parent myself that parents would appreciate so much, even if they just had the option of letting their kids play in a separate area that was being supervised. Maybe they do that for a couple hours and then maybe they come in and join the reception for, you know, an hour or two. But having that option is an amazing service to provide to your guests. So if that is an option for you, given the setup of your reception, given your budget, giving, you know, given all of those auxiliary considerations that you need to factor in, Looking into babysitting options is a great idea. And then our next question, is it okay or strange if we were to assign seats for our ceremony? This couple is dealing with divorced parents on one side and wanting to keep them separated in as many situations as possible. Uh, Yes, absolutely fine to assign seats for your ceremony. Not a problem at all. I don't see any reason why not to do that. It's an added step. But again, if you really want to keep people away from each other, or flip side of that, if you really want people to be able to sit next to each other, then by all means, not a problem to assign seats. You can indicate that with just a simple name card on every chair. You could you could do a seating chart at the ceremony entrance, but that sounds like it would be a little bit confusing and complicated. So let's stick with the actual name card on every chair. And then if you're using ushers or a wedding coordinator, whoever is seating the guests, whoever is walking them in, make sure that they're really familiar with your overall vision and what's going on so that they can help people find their seats and get seated quickly. I can envision a scenario where you have assigned seats and people come in running late and ushers or a coordinator doesn't really understand what your vision or what your intention is. And so things get muddled up and kind of confusing and complicated. So just make sure that you've got that all organized as well as possible. And then next question, do you have a good resource for a full wedding planning countdown or timeline? So this has been something that's been on my mind for a while now, and I'm in the process of formulating a whole series of shows that are based on a countdown or a timeline, if you will. We've done episodes in the past where I've really walked you through the process of creating your own personalized timeline, and I want to stick in the spirit of something like that, but making it more 
of a benchmark. So we have like an 18 months out, a 12 months out, a nine months out, a six months out, etc. So stay tuned for much more on that as I continue to formulate and create those shows. And I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts and your opinions and any requests or ideas that you have as I'm doing these timeline shows. I would love any input that you have. You can always be in touch with me by visiting the website, which is weddingplanningpodcast.co slash contact. Or you can just go to weddingplanningpodcast.co and look for the contact button. It's right there on the homepage. And speaking of planning timelines and countdowns, right now is the perfect time to make personal care a top priority in the months leading up to your wedding, especially for skincare. And that goes for all of us, the ladies and the gentlemen. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products that are super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine, and the Regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a -a twice-a-day routine to transform your guy's skin in the countdown months leading up to your wedding. Clear skin, less wrinkles, and signs of aging? What's not to love? The regimen includes three easy-to-use products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. And my husband, John, is already loving the look and feel of his skin after just a couple of weeks. He finally gets why I am so obsessed with my skincare routine for all these years. We're talking face wash, daily moisturizer, and multifunctional nighttime serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use wedding at calderalab.com and 20% off right now. Get 20% off with code WEDDING at calderalab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at calderalab.com with code WEDDING. Another really popular wedding planning question I get asked all the time is for help finding easy suit and tuxedo rentals. And it's easy to see why this is on so many of your minds, because coordinating suit and tuxedo looks for your wedding party can be really overwhelming. Thank goodness Generation Tux makes it simple, fun, and convenient with online suit and tux rentals that allow you to do everything online from the comfort of your own home. Generation Tux specializes in online suit and tuxedo rentals with high-quality men's formal wear rentals starting at just $99. And even better, they offer award-winning customer service. Find over 25 styles of suits and tuxedos available in a variety of colors and thousands of accessory color combinations. I really, really love their easy online fitting option. With their patented e-tailor algorithm, they have a groomsman management system to make sure everything fits everyone perfectly. And best of all, you get free round-trip shipping and virtual consultations with customer experience and stylists with online tools to help you plan the perfect wedding. You can try Generation Tux for yourself by visiting generationtux.com. Build your head-to-toe looks, get free swatches, a free home try-on, and manage your entire wedding party online. 
That's G-E-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N-T-U-X dot com. Here's a great wedding planning question for you. What's the best place to start planning the trip of a lifetime for our honeymoon? Susan's Travel Services is so excited to partner with you to plan your honeymoon, destination wedding, or maybe even your bachelor or bachelorette party. Susan and her team have been planning dream vacations for 27 years, and they are truly the best in the business for start-to-finish planning services. Travel and new experiences are incredibly special to me, and Susan and her team have helped me plan some unforgettable vacations. I recommend her to all my friends and family, and that's exactly why I share her amazing planning services with you every single week. Susan's professional assistance in choosing location, resort, activities, and transportation is absolutely priceless. Best of all, Susan has been in the business for 27 years, and she walks the walk. She personally travels to her recommended destinations all the time, so she has firsthand on-the-ground experience with the amazing resorts, excursions, and services that she recommends. From all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean, overwater bungalows in the Maldives, or the African safari you've always dreamed of, save yourself literally hours of research and guesswork and let Susan and her team find you the best options for a once in a lifetime vacation. Reach out to Susan and her team today by emailing info at susanstravelservices.com and be sure to let her know that I sent you and you'll get $50 off your final booking or $200 off your destination wedding. Her email one more time is info at susanstravelservices.com. And here we go with another really, really common question, including family and friends who want to help, but I really don't know what to ask them to do. Maybe you have experienced this where you are grateful and so lucky and so blessed to have so many loving and helpful people in your life. And they're constantly asking you, how can we help with the wedding? And you don't know what to tell them. So here's a quick list of just a handful of things that you could prioritize asking for help with. The first one being food. And this goes for your wedding itself. If you're doing more of like a DIY approach, this could be for a bridal shower. This could be for your bachelorette party. This could be for getting ready on the day of before the wedding rehearsal dinner. We eat every single day. So asking for help with the food is a no brainer. This could be a dessert bar at the wedding reception. You could delegate your aunts and cousins to baking or sourcing some of their favorite desserts and setting everything up for you. It could be for an appetizer spread. Again, whether that's at your actual reception, maybe it's at the rehearsal dinner, maybe it's creating a menu and cooking uh, brunch the day after. I could go on and on and on about asking your loved ones for help with food. It's a huge topic and a huge area to get off your plate, so to speak. So don't hesitate in asking for help with any of that. The next uh, great item to enlist your loved ones for help with are any do-it-yourself projects. This could be decorations. This could be food. (laughs) Um, And it could go 
you know, choose your own adventure. You could ask for help in simply gathering ideas. So delegate a few friends. Can you guys go out on Pinterest and find some decorating ideas for a barn wedding? And let's make a shared board and pin all those ideas. And then we can get together and go over them one night, you know, for an hour or two while we drink wine. That sounds pretty fun. Uh, You could ask for help with shopping for do-it-yourself project supplies. You could also ask for help in having people scour thrift stores for secondhand items. Some popular stuff that couples will shop for are plant stands, charger plates, eclectic china, teacups, plates, Vases are a great thing to shop for at thrift stores or secondhand stores. And if you personally don't have the time, desire, or interest in driving all over your county, scouring Goodwill and Salvation Army for random glassware, then congratulations, because I bet you have some friends or family members who would love to do that. My husband, John, is obsessed with thrifting, so... (laughs) There you go. I I bet you know someone who would love to do it. And then, of course, asking for help in actually making any do-it-yourself projects that you plan on doing. That's an easy ask and an easy way to keep your loved ones busy. I already mentioned creating some shared Pinterest boards. This is an easy way if you're, especially if you're not in the same area, if you're not in the same location. Uh, Shared boards are an easy way to kind of shop online together, so to speak. So if loved ones again are asking, hey, how can we help? Maybe you send them out to search for some bridesmaid dress ideas. Again, search for decoration ideas. Search for some cute favors. Uh, Search for wedding party gifts. Maybe that's something that your aunt could source some ideas for you. And next on my list of things that you can ask for help with, and this is a big one, how about vendor research? If you're early on in the starting phases of getting things together and you don't really know even where to start, break down your list into a few different vendor categories and maybe you can ask your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your sisters, your cousin, whoever hey, would you guys go out and collect the names of five photographers who have great reviews? Maybe you post on Facebook, ask your friends and family, what are your recommendations? Delegate that to them and then it takes it off your plate. And then you reconvene, you know, a couple weeks later and you get together and you get their list and they've done a lot of legwork for you. That can be extremely helpful. Same goes for researching accommodations. If you're going to be having a lot of guests coming in from out of town, maybe you can ask one of your loved ones to call around to some of the various hotels, maybe even go on Airbnb and collect a list of a dozen links of places that are close and centrally located and have great reviews. Again, this is all stuff that takes a lot of time. So if you're short on time and you have people who are willing to help, take advantage of it. And then the last thing I'll mention here, and this is especially helpful if you are getting close to your wedding date, RSVP management, that is a huge thing that can be extremely helpful. So, hey, Aunt Susan, can you reach out to these dozen people who we haven't heard back from yet and ask them point blank, are you coming or not? (laughs) Again, it's 12 phone calls, 12 emails, 12 texts that you don't need to send and go back and forth about. So that can be very, very helpful. 
Okay, and then we are going a little long today, but let's get a couple more in here. What's the etiquette involved with planning at the same time as one of my close friends? Things, events are already overlapping and I'm getting really frustrated. Oh, this is a hard, this is a hard topic. Um, weddings come with a ton. Not It's not only the wedding, right? It's all the surrounding events. It's all of the shopping. It's all the research. It's expenses. It's commitments of your time. And to have that going on for yourself and then also a close friend going through the same thing at the same time, that can be really, really frustrating in terms of trying to split your emotional energy, splitting finances, splitting your time. I get it. This is not an easy topic. And let's be real, no matter how down to earth we are, no matter how, you know, non-drama we are, everybody, well, not everybody, but lots of us do want our wedding day to be about us. (laughs) And when your best friend or multiple best friends are planning their weddings at the same time, that makes it difficult. So the first thing I would do is get your feelings out in the open, have a little therapy session with your friend or friends cousin, family member, whoever it is, speak to them privately about your feelings and just be really honest about what's going on and how you're feeling. Because I'm willing to bet that they likely feel the same way that you do about the fact that you are planning your wedding. And then we get into like the nuances of, well, I announced my engagement first and then they got engaged four months later, but then she swooped in and they're getting married before we are. So I feel like I'm being overshadowed by all of it. Look, I get it. I, I have been through this many, many times with personally with my friends and on my husband's side, all of his friends. There was literally a two to three year period where we were going cross country back and forth from California. Well, it's not really cross country, but close from California to Michigan, like one to two to three times every summer and fall for weddings. And all the friends, everyone got married at the same time. My best friend, who's still my best friend today, love her to death. Uh, She got married secretly in a civil ceremony. And then she planned her big actual reception to take place just one month before my wedding. So I'm not going to lie, it was difficult at times to share the spotlight, and we had a shared group of friends, so everyone is constantly torn between talking about one wedding or the other, or doing one bridal shower and then another, one bachelorette party and then another. It w- It's hard. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to manage. And I was also in her wedding and she was also in my wedding. So yes, things felt very crowded at times in terms of emotional energy and time and finances. And this, the good news, here's the good news. This did not in any way affect our friendship in the long term. But at the time, it was frustrating and it wasn't ideal. So just know that you're not the only one feeling that way. And I would just sit down and air out the feelings, have a little heart to heart about it. Don't let things simmer like secretly and get bitter over them. That's going to make things snowball and be much, much worse. Just sit down and be honest. 
simply saying it out loud and then hearing them say to you, oh my gosh, I feel the exact same way. Let's do our best just not to let it get to us. Hug. Good. All good. Okay, and last question for today. Can we talk about the cost difference between having a wedding on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday? We're open to doing a different day if it allows us to get more within our budget. Okay, so this is a topic that depends a lot on your local market and local vendors. So the first thing you're going to need to do if you're interested in exploring this idea more is create a spreadsheet or whatever way you want to organize things. And you're going to collect information and track the fees and the prices for peak days versus non-peak days. So for Saturday versus a Sunday or a Monday or a Friday night. And I'll say here, not to confuse things, but it's an important add to the question. Seasons matter a lot too. So whether you get married in winter or summer, depending on the place, that can be another variable that can majorly influence cost. So here's how I would organize this. I would make a list of key vendors. So for example, venue, photographer, caterer, coordinator, rental company. Let's just start there. And then for each of those categories, I would go out and research two to three vendors and collect specific information on their pricing. And you want to ask, what's your pricing for a Saturday night versus a Sunday morning or a Monday night or a Friday night, whatever it is you want to explore. And also, again, Maybe this doesn't apply, but if it does, ask for seasons. So a spring versus a winter date. Now, when you repeat this process for, say, those top five wedding expenses, you're going to really be able to compare the cost savings and decide if it's worth the corresponding, perhaps, inconvenience for you and your guests. And through this entire process, you honestly might find out that hosting a wedding on a holiday Monday really isn't any different in price than hosting a wedding on a Saturday, simply because of the demand in your area. So this is really, really specific to your local market. And that's why it's important that you go out and do the research. If you were to Google this online, or if you were to ask a wedding professional, say in Chicago, you might get a canned answer that, yeah, it's 20% cheaper to have a wedding on Friday night versus Saturday night, or it's 30% cheaper to have a Sunday brunch wedding than it is to have a Saturday wedding. That might not be the case in your situation. So it's important to go out and do that research, gather the information, start with the research tips I just outlined, and I think you'll come to see pretty, pretty quickly if you do stand to save some money based on the day of the week or the format. All right, my friend, that was fun. I hope you found it helpful. I'm going to leave you with our website one more time because that is the hub and the central meeting spot where you want to go if you'd like to share any ideas, any of your questions, any requests for upcoming episode topics. You can find a contact button when you visit our website at weddingplanningpodcast.co. 
I hope you have a great day today and I will look forward as always to meeting you here next week, same time, same place.